Beloveds, welcome to this special Holy Week edition of The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up, and in liberation? My name is Reverend Ann Dunlap. I'm a UCC pastor doing community ministry for racial justice and solidarity here in Denver, Colorado. You can learn more about me at fiercerevremedies.com. I also coordinate faith work for Showing Up for Racial Justice, or SURGE, nationally. This podcast is a project of SURGE Faith. I'm grateful to be with you wherever you are listening to this right now. I'm especially grateful today to have as a guest contributor my friend Margaret Ernst. Margaret is a community organizer and Masters of Divinity student currently living in Nashville, Tennessee. For the past year, Margaret has been convening spaces to encourage and challenge predominantly white faith communities in Nashville to get into motion in struggles for racial justice. In Nashville, she is also involved with organizing community defense efforts including responses from the faith community to detention and deportation. Margaret brings a provocative word to us for Holy Week. Let's take a few deep breaths together as we prepare our hearts and spirits and bodies to receive it. Amen. sermon for an event called A Bad News Preaching at my Divinity School on President's Day this year, 2017. In the beginning of the sermon, I tell a story about how a few weeks prior, I had taken a flight from Nashville where I live to Oakland, California for a conference. On the plane, the man seated next to me was a white man who, I could tell from his laptop, worked for Core Civic. Core Civic is the new name for the private prison company CCA. After Trump's election, CCA's stocks soared in anticipation of more business from the detention of immigrants and more policing and incarceration of all communities of color. Partway through the plane ride, the man who worked for Cora Civic sitting next to me put his laptop down and pulled up Christian scripture on his phone. He read it and proceeded to pray. Next to him, I was also reading. I was reading the assignment for my constructive theology class that week, James Cone's Black Theology of Liberation. This book is a classic text from 1970 and it's considered the founding text of the recorded theological tradition of what is now called Black Liberation Theology. Black theology draws on much deeper wells of Black religious life throughout American history, 
beyond what is written in academic texts, and Cohen's book is just one of many voices from black theology. But Cohen's influence and legacy is unquestionable in challenging the theology of the status quo from white theologians of his time and ours today. On the plane, I was reading from Cohen's section on Christology, which simply means the question of who is Jesus? Cohn claims that the Bible presents a God whose liberating activity is God's most defining characteristic revealed to the people Israel. He says that when discerning who Jesus is, that the historical Jesus must be taken seriously if we intend to avoid making Jesus into our own images. This history that we have to take seriously is that Jesus was a colonized Jew living under the Roman Empire, and that his ministry was the work of freeing his people from oppression on earth, not just about giving them something to look forward to after death. This is what Cohen says about who Jesus was, but what about the question of who Jesus is? Where is Jesus today? Cohen says that as in his life on earth, Jesus is the oppressed one, coming alongside those who are oppressed in the world in their struggle to be free. And that is why Jesus must be black. Cohn goes on to critique the image of Jesus that has been presented to and by white Christians. He writes, Their Jesus is a mild, easygoing white American who can afford to mutter the luxuries of love and mercy, long-suffering, and other white irrelevancies because he has a multi-billion dollar military force to protect him from the encroachment of the ghetto and the communist conspiracy. And later in the text, he says, If Jesus Christ is white and not black, he is an oppressor and we must kill him. I was fascinated and hit hard in my stomach by this idea of killing white Jesus. Written in 1970, Cohn's text operates in a black-white binary that doesn't represent the complexity of how race plays out in America, nor the critical role of gender and sexuality, which expands the lens on what it means to be black. But still today, his cutting words about the destructiveness of images of Jesus as white not only in terms of skin color, but in terms of ways of thinking and being. These words still ring loud and clear in 2017. They can be hard words to hear for people who are white and who claim to be Christian. But what I appreciate about Cohn's unapologetic condemnation of white Jesus is that it leaves no room for confusion about what is needed for true liberation. I want to suggest that killing white Jesus is, for white Christians too, what we need for our salvation. White Jesus means a way of thinking and experiencing Jesus that allows four in five white evangelicals who swear by the Bible to vote for a president who doesn't know how to say 1 Corinthians, but who is willing and ready to cut all government programs that support America's poor, and yet who some still understand to be ordained by God. White Jesus is not just the fetish of the religious right, however. 
any image of Jesus that lets racism go unchallenged and doesn't challenge the 1% domination of life and the economy, doesn't take Jesus' historical location as oppressed seriously. This is why many progressive Christians can proudly drape a rainbow flag around our shoulders and say that everyone is welcome here, but can't bring ourselves to say that black lives matter. Our Christology is off. As my friend and minister, Reverend Naomi Leapart Washington, recently preached, we are here be with the 45th president we have today because of bad theology. But when we put certain images of Jesus to rest, it can mean a loss for some of us whose way of thinking about Jesus, as we have been taught, gives us comfort. As we move into coming to know a Jesus that makes us uncomfortable in our complicity with oppression, but who gives us consolation in the struggle against it, it requires us to really process and feel that shift with our whole hearts, minds, and bodies. Setting that context, I'll pick up reading what was the end of my sermon here, with this background set of this particular moment when I found myself sitting next to a fellow white Christian. Both of us, at various times throughout the flight, praying and reading scripture, both contemplating sacred Christian texts and this question of who is Jesus Christ. Sitting in that complexity and the revelation of that moment, as I read James Cone and my neighbor read scripture, while updating spreadsheets with profit numbers from a business that puts people in cages. So, here it goes. Maybe we find ourselves needing to carve out a new moment in the Lenten story, in those moments leading up to the cross and resurrection. In that moment, we can talk not about anticipating new life rising again, but first, in order to get there, about how to kill the ideas of Christ that are killing people. All of us have investments in white Jesus, the Jesus that slave masters and tyrants would hope we believe in. And that's why it's so vital that if we call on Jesus, that we get our Jesus right. It's vital that we pray not to the false idol that whiteness has constructed and called Lord at the expense of human freedom. It's vital we fix our prayers on the man from Nazareth, the man who in his one of his first acts of ministry went to the synagogue and picked up the scroll of Isaiah to read that the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor and to proclaim release to the captive. White Jesus has a familiar place in all of our souls, that place where we've learned that religion should be about false peace rather than true justice, that place that has taught us to despise our bodies and creation, and that certain bodies are meant to be used. That place where we've internalized an idea of Christian love that is as flaccid as weak old Valentine's Day flowers, half off at Kroger. Christian love that only loves the image of the self, 
false love that in its collective narcissism decapitates all. Beloveds, kill white Jesus and maybe we can get free. Kill white Jesus and maybe things can be holy. That's why I think maybe this year we should have a Good Friday service for white Jesus. A service where we say, white Jesus, it's okay to stay in your tomb this year and not rise again and not come back because your time is done here. You have wreaked your havoc. You have caused your destruction. You have stolen lives and broken families and bodies and souls. You have stolen the heart of this Jesus story and turned it into the deception of the devil. At this Good Friday service, we could stand around and go through the liturgy and read names of those who were sacrificed at the false altar of white Jesus' name. We will lift up their names in memory and never stop saying their names. We will say their names as we reclaim Jesus' name. And then we will tell a different Lenten story. The story about when we put white Jesus in the tomb and kept the stone there because we finally had to be free of everything he's done to us and all that he's made us into and everything he did to the people that we love. In this Easter Vigil story, we put white Jesus in the tomb and keep the stone there until we figure another Jesus out. We put the stone there and keep this death-dealing Jesus in, and we'll call Mary and call the other women to stand watch, and we'll call the people's safety team to stand and block the tomb, and call our community to stand and block the intersection outside the tomb, and we'll shut the whole city down until we've got another Jesus to follow. We'll shut the whole city down until we follow that one that folks call Jesus, that one that folks call Christ, the oppressed one from Nazareth. And we'll be following him for some of us, maybe for the first time. And then we'll see what happens. And then we can talk about Easter. And then we will know resurrection. Killing white Jesus. Let that sink in a little. And so we ask ourselves, just who is it we expect to rise up come Sunday morning? Thank you again to Margaret Ernst for your challenging word for this Holy Week. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. We'll be back after Easter. You can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org, and our podcast lives at SoundCloud. Search on The Word is Resistance. You can interact with me there if you have questions or need help with action ideas. Transcripts will be available as well on our website, which include resources and any references, credits, and copyright information. May our Holy Week deeply unsettle us. And as always, blessings to you in all that you do to resist injustice and in all that you do to build up a new world. Love and liberation, beloveds. Love and liberation. 
Until next time, I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap. Thank you so much. Amen.